Going off to college is an exciting time for both parents and students. It's a time that marks the end of childhood in some ways and the launch into adulthood in other ways. It's also a time that's fraught with uncertainty and ambiguity. So in this episode, we explore how new college students can approach their first year and how parents can support their child's new foray into college. Stay tuned and we'll discuss. Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. Ben, I am so excited about this episode. <laughs> I, I, was, I was filling up my cup of water. I was getting goosebumps just thinking about how you know, people say this is mundane, but just thinking about how incredible it is that every year somewhere in the world are gobs and gobs of people about to go into higher, like a higher education adventure. That's right. And it is. It's such an adventure and it's such an essential part of our society and our civil civilization. Obviously, I'm hopelessly biased in my um, my praise for higher education, being a professor myself. But, you know, this episode, we're going to explore how college students can, you know, make the most of that first year and some things they should be thinking about. If you're a new college, new high school graduate going into college, you uh, should definitely tune in and also some things for parents. So why don't we just dive into uh, some advice, some things that we've learned, some things that we've read, uh, experiences we've had that can help inform new college students, how they can approach their first year. And, you know, I guess the first piece is like, are you going to live on campus or you're not going to live on campus? And if you are living on campus, uh, what are some things you got to be thinking about new college students? Yeah. So first guys, you got to get a packing list. All right. (laughs) And, and your uniform, your university is going to give you one of these. Look at it. Hopefully. Yeah. And then ask yourself, do I really need all this stuff? Because I think one of the things that goes on is, first, I want to emphasize the mundaneness of this. Going to college is a completely normal, regular thing to do that people do all the time, and it's fine. And matter of fact, some of them can't even put on their pants really well. You know, they're Wilsons (laughs) of the world, right? And they still make it. Yeah, they still make it. So, (laughs) So as much as you're having this anxiety and uncertainty and all that stuff, that's all part of it. You are just taking part of that freshman year anxiety that everybody gets to take a big bite off of when they go. But you, there's many people in that same position and many people who have gone through that same thing. So the first thing you want to do is get that packing list and then ask, do I really need all the stuff on this packing <laughs> list? Because part of the catharsis for that anxiety it's because you want to be prepared and there's so much unknown, right? You're like, I don't know. I don't know. What's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. And so one of the things, you know, you probably take another bite of brownie, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, to soothe yourself, right? You know, probably eating some crap food while you fret about your, you know, first semester. But another thing that when it comes time, because you're leaving the house, right? If you're going to mm-hmm. live on campus is, you're, well, what if I need these things? Right. And and you want to be prepared. That's a good thing. And one of the ways that we deal with that ambiguity and wanting to prepare is we take too much stuff. Yeah. So don't take everything. Take the essentials. Realize that, hey, if you're missing something, it's okay. Stores still exist. 
You're still going to be able to get things, but you know, go ahead and start thinking about what do you actually want to take with you if you're going to be living on campus. Next thing you want to be thinking about is, you know, the roommate situation. Now, this differs based upon the institution that you're going to. Uh, some places it may be strictly assigned to you, uh, someone or some people with whom you'll be sharing living quarters, or you may have some choice in the matter where you can put in some preferences, or maybe you have a friend that you want to live with. Um, Regardless, you should try to, you know, at some point during the summer before you go off to college, try to figure out who that person is, reach out to them, at least establish some sort of contact. Um, this, this person may or may not become your best friend, um, but at the same time, you will be living with them for some period of time. Therefore, it makes sense to get to know them at a basic level and uh, and be friendly. Yeah, this is a roll of the dice. <laughs> so just go in with low expectations on this one. Like, listen, I don't know, flip a coin. Am I going to get a total numbskull or is it going to be somebody I enjoy? The thing is, you're in it together. Think of this as being you're on the Titanic and it's sinking, right? You're going to work <laughs> together to not drown, right? And so, listen, man, I would never hang out with you in a regular day. But, you know, the the gods that will <laughs> placed us together during this time. So let's. Our goal should be not to drown during our freshman year and to meet cool people that we actually want to be roommates with the following year. You can have, and we use this with our clients, Ben. We call it, what, what kind of alliance do we this call it? This is a collaborative alliance, and you can have that with a roommate. Now, I wouldn't recommend going into that first roommate conversation saying, hey, I would never hang out with you ever uh, under other circumstances, Listen, but we're going to be stuck. you won't have to say it. You won't have to say it because if that's the case, it'll become apparent, right? But the thing is, think about this not as a, we're going to be the best friends forever. You know, it's tempting in that first blitz of emotion that you have to feel that way. But just realize this is a collaborative alliance to survive freshman year and to, two meet people or maybe you want to go to a different dorm building, you know, all that kind of stuff. This is a um, recon mission for what the rest of your college life's going to look like. And sometimes your recon says, oh, the ground is fallow. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So that's the roommate piece. Uh, you also want to figure out your meal plan. This is a pretty basic piece. Universities have various types of ways to feed the people who live on campus, and you can purchase very op various options there. So look into those. Get the one that's appropriate for you. Another important piece here is you want to read the stuff that you get from the admissions office, from the residence life people, all of the information that your university sends to you, actually read it and follow the advice. Uh, they're doing this for your own benefit. Believe me, the university actually wants you to come to their university, to love it so much the first year that you continue your education, that you're learning things, that you're finishing on time, all of those types of items. So do what they tell you. Yeah. And they, they, a lot of the stuff that gets in there is like, gosh, we're so sick of people asking us this stuff. So we put it <laughs> in a packet. Right. And then for you not to read it, uh, it's, it's murder brutal. Right. So <laughs> um, here's another one that's kind of practical is find out what the Dolly situation is. Because the thing is, sometimes that during orientation week or freshman reception or whatever they call it, they don't let you park in front of the dorms because it creates a fire hazard and you can't get the cars around. You may have to move all your gear 
from a parking lot a quarter mile away. Right. So, right. And they'll have like six dollies or carts or whatever for a thousand students. <laughs> so, so get your own, borrow one from somewhere that you might, or pack everything into one backpack and that's it. Right. You know, you <laughs> that's all you're that taking. Minimal, simple life type things. Right. Right. So just think about the logistics of how you're going to be moving your actual belongings uh, that you have judiciously planned and packed carefully. Uh, make sure you have a plan for how you're going to get those into your new home. And, uh, you know, if you and need got, a little right. wagon or a little dolly, that might help you. It may not be something you need there, but just to figure it out beforehand because it'll save some. You're already going to be kind of stressed and excited and everything that first move in day. So th that'll be something practical to help you out. You're going you're gonna to have fall break, right? So if you're really missing something. Yeah, just have a plan for a shipment or maybe a quick trip if possible to pick up those things. Don't go minimalist. It'll help you focus on making that transition rather than unpacking and setting up your, I don't know, Britney Spears poster or whatever. <laughs> right? There's always those <laughs> guys that have, they... <laughs> they, you know, this is like rooms to go curated. You know, it's everything's perfect. You know, don't worry about that stuff. You, you don't have to show your identity through your dorm room. Uh, I agree. And you have time to figure that's that those types of things out. Okay. So those are some basics. If you're going to be living on campus. Now, if you're not going to be living on campus, you know, I think there are some other things you've got to be thinking about because, and this has to do with like where you are living. Um, let's assume maybe that you are commuting to a university. That's not too far from where you grew up. Maybe you're still living with your parents. That's fine. You've got to figure out and have a good, honest conversation with your parents about kind of what that's going to look like, you know? And I think most parents would probably really appreciate that and see that as a sign of maturity. If you say, hey, look, mom and dad, you know, I'm, this is going to be different the next year. Uh, I just want to like clarify expectations about when I'm going to be around, when I'm not going to be around, you know, what kinds of expectations do you have about how I'm going to be behaving around the house in terms of chores that you may still want me to do or whatever you're doing in lieu of actually paying you uh, legal tender for rent. Right. What what am I doing to to kind of still be a contributing member of the house and and have that good conversation? Um, because something is very different now. You're not in high school anymore. You're going somewhere to further your education. Um, and but if you're still living at home, you've got to figure that out. And I think having a good conversation about it earlier rather than later is helpful. This is especially important. So, like, I come from a divorced family. And especially if you have different family arrangements at home, maybe your parents are in a bloody, horrible divorce that's really bad, right? You need to, at this point, I want to give you permission right now to prioritize yourself and your education. And if you're coming from a toxic family, if you're coming from bad relationships, Things like those things. If you're coming from someplace that isn't the best place to get your launch, this is the one time you get to super duper prioritize creating a foundation. Listen, if you feel obligated that you need to go back and help somehow, that's fine. Build your house first because you can't help other people if you're drowning yourself. And a big way, and there's huge amounts of data, if you're fortunate enough to be able to get into a college, go to a college. You're you're in the top echelon globally already. Just just right there, just by doing that. Absolutely. Right. Take, you know, take no, care of yourself there. 
and get it, get in and do well in college so you can do well in life. You'll be way better positioned to deal with the shenanigans and you'll be more cognitively developed so you can actually see the right things to do, all those kinds of things. So anyway, just had to throw that out there. Um, not everyone's coming from a good family and that's okay. This is a time where you get to move into adulthood. Yeah, and I think being proactive about the approach and the planning for that is a helpful thing you can do as you're moving into this new phase of your life going into college. Another thing is you really need to think about your schedule and make a schedule that's going to work for yourself. And this is especially important because you have more unstructured time, right? In high school, you've got to be there at certain hours. It's it's much more regimented. In college, it's like, here's when your classes are. And that's about it. Right. Um, you, you show up to your classes I, and we'll say, you know, preview of coming attractions, go to your classes. Uh, but other than that, your time is kind of your own. You should make time, especially during that first semester for working on your schoolwork. Right. Saying, look, every night between let's just throw it out there, maybe from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., I will be studying. I will be working. I will be reading all of those types of things. Because it's not just about going to class and then kind of, you know, oh, I have a test tomorrow. I'm going to study for it. These things require a lot of outside work. And people aren't going to be making you do it, really. It's up to you now. So time management is absolutely critical. And give yourself some grace. That means you're probably not going to be awesome at this stuff right out the gates. And so the first thing is don't take too many classes (laughs) your very first semester of your freshman year. Sometimes you're going to have like, Oh, you're going to be maybe a little depressed and not even feel like going to class or studying that day. You have all these emotions and things you're going to have to navigate. Maybe you got to break up with an old girlfriend that you left back in hometown, right? These kinds of things will require emotional bandwidth. Be kind to yourself by being kind with your schedule. That's maybe right. avoid early morning classes too. If you can, you know, 6 a.m. class, no go. I don't think there are many universities that have 6 a.m. classes, but there are a lot that have 8 a.m. So another thing that if you're not living on campus that you want to be cognizant of is that much of the learning experience that happens in college, in university life, happens outside of class. And if you're not living on campus, if you're not careful, you could potentially miss out on some of that. So still try to be on campus, right? Still try to be around just because you live somewhere else because you're driving, you know, back to your 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 home or wherever instead of walking to the dorm, uh, you can still benefit from the connections, from the experiences that happen on campus. Um, you can still be around, and I would encourage you to try to build that into your schedule. Um, and this will kind of emerge organically as you kind of move through and see what's available and what you're interested in. But I would encourage you to do that. Right, and so. You know, while you're figuring that kind of stuff out, one of the things that a lot of people are doing right now, because the the student debt load is high, right? And maybe you just don't, you know, you didn't get a full ride scholarship or something like that. You might have to work while you go to school. And so make sure you're super realistic about that. If you can get into work study, um, that's great if that works out for you. But Ben, like you, you've had some experience with students working and stuff. Sure. So I've had students both, uh, I, I mainly teach graduate students, but I've had some classes that I've taught with undergraduates. And even there, um, both at my prior employer, Northern Kentucky University, at my, and at my current employer, uh, Cleveland State University, 
you know, you'll, some, you'll many times have students who are working, and that's either to support themselves while they go through college um, or just to make money and get experience. I've come across students, though, that sometimes will have a full-time job working 40 hours a week, and they're trying to take like five or six classes a semester. It is impossible because of the, just the time constraints to get the most out of those courses if you're really trying to do that. It's, it, it's not going to work out well for you in the long term. So really try to, to be realistic about how that's going to work out for you. Realize that some courses may take more of your time than others, but all of them will take a, a significant amount of time outside of the classroom. Just because you're in class for three hours a week doesn't mean that that class is only going to take you three hours a week. In fact, it's going to take you quite a bit more um, outside of class to be ready to read all of those types of items. So be realistic about it. Plan your time accordingly. And it's okay. If it takes you a little bit longer to graduate, when you go to employers for the first time, you know, oh, you were in college for six years. That's right. I was working full time. That is a banging testimony to your commitment and getting things done, you know? So mm -hmm. don't, you don't have to finish this super duper fast and don't get bad grades and look like a bad student because your first uh, referral sources often when you're getting that first job out of undergrad are your professors. It you know, Filson well does a good job. Filson was a great student or, or the networks that you get introduced to. Right, right. Another practical point if you're heading off to college this fall, um, starting off for the first time is go to orientation. Uh, most universities and colleges that are worth their, worth their salt, you know, have some sort of program. Maybe it's a couple days, maybe it's a week, maybe it's a day in the summer, something to get you oriented towards what you're going to experience. And this will be full of, uh, probably some, some fun things where you get to meet some other students uh, but also you're going to get some good advice on just practical nature of what you're going to be going through. So go to the orientation. Along with that, there are going to be a whole bunch of other campus resources that you need to get familiar with and you need to actually use um, things like the writing lab, the writing center, right? If you're not that good at writing, there are places on in at most universities where you can get some individualized tutoring on a writing assignment, and it'll be invaluable for you, especially if you do that early on, you know, because then if you if you really learn, oh, well, this is these are some things that I need to work on with my writing and here's how to fix them. Do that early on in your freshman year, and then you're probably going to be pretty good to go um, as you move forward. So do that and as well as any kind of other tutoring or study support systems that are out there with how expensive college is. It's always amazing. Hey, you're paying for the whole college, but you're only utilizing class. What mm. about the workout facilities, the writing lab, the free tutoring, all of this stuff you're paying for guys, you should be using it. You know, and it right. also reminds me of like the Disney movie Pinocchio, you know? So sometimes you'll see older classmen, right? You know, juniors, seniors, right? saying oh yeah we got the new yeah you're a cool freshman come hang out with us miss your orientation stuff mm. this is like so when when pinocchio they go to jackass island right and they smoke and they play games all day and they turn into donkeys rather than real humans watch out for those bad influences <laughs> that will be there in your freshman year oh i'm in the cool kids group oh they want me to join a fraternity oh they want all this stuff don't be that donkey right? Be, become a real human. That's what that Disney movie Pinocchio is about. And this is your first time 
to avoid Jackass Island and, and do something good with your life. That's great. Another thing that you want to do, and I would advise anyone going into college to do, is to intentionally try to carve out ways in which you can get involved in campus life. So regardless of whether or not you're living on or uh, off of campus, there's a lot of learning that happens there. And this is these are the social organizations, right? Just meeting people, um, other types of clubs, um, campus organizations that exist, professional organizations. Maybe there's something for your academic discipline. Um sports that you can get involved in, intramural sports, you know, playing, you know, ultimate Frisbee every, you know, Tuesday at whatever time. I mean, those types of things can be beneficial. You get to meet people and kind of broaden your horizons. Um, other service or religious organizations that exist on campus. These can also be great ways to uh, make connections, to figure out more about yourself and about life and, and just have a good time. And it, you're leaving your social circle behind. Right. Right. And that's part of what makes college so amazing. That's part of it. But that being said, don't just be Mr. Cerebro over there and always cracking the books and not talking. You have to feed yourself socially, spiritually, emotionally, all of those ways. If you're having a hard time, you know, there's generally free counseling at these universities. You know, go ahead and get in a few therapy sessions just to make sure you're calibrated. You don't have to be... um really in the depths of despair to just check in with a therapist um, to make sure that you're calibrated. But you're think of the whole person approach here to your education. Yes, you're going to learn some cool stuff, but you also need to take care of your emotion and emotional well-being. And the other piece, Ben, we we're talking the physical well-being. You know, I went to college and it was like, man, there is a buffet at every meal. <laughs> all yeah, you could I, eat buffet <laughs> if i if i want pizza and ice cream for breakfast i could probably have it you know and this this is not you know don't emotionally eat yourself into the freshman 40 or 30 you know you know right. more than the freshman 15 or something right there there could be some changes but get plugged in with eating right no, that's great. Yeah. Keep yourself physically uh, in tune, you know, exercise and sleep and uh, eating right. Those are all great things for you to, to be mindful of as you go through this journey. You know, we mentioned a few different areas on campus, some different resources already that you need to be familiar with, but a few others that you should be um, familiar with and, and really get to know are places like the advising office. So some universities or some colleges will do this centrally, right? Where there's like a group of people who do advising. They help you understand what courses you need to take next and those types of things. Other universities actually have professors who also do advising and you might be assigned to one of them. Regardless, figure out how it's done at your institution and make use of it. Make use of your residence life experiences, right? So if you're living on campus, there's going to be someone, usually an upperclassman of some sort, who is in charge of helping make keep good good order and discipline, uh, so to speak, in the dorm. I did this for my junior and senior years of college, um, and it was a phenomenal experience, a great learning experience for me, but also interesting to try to help develop and help everyone around me. So get familiar with those resources. Um, the registrar, that's how you like sign up for classes and order your transcripts, those types of things. We mentioned the counseling center, tutoring resources. All of those different things are part of what your institution has put in place because they want you to succeed. They want you to succeed, right? One thing that um, universities are oftentimes measured on is what's called the six-year graduation rate metric. So, you know, how many of their students are 
sticking around and actually graduating within six years, right? Um, and uh, they want you to finish. They want you to move through academically, um, financially, et cetera. So make use of those resources and be familiar with them. Yeah, this is so important. Another thing on the RA situation is the RA is not just the Gestapo that keeps everything straight in the dorms. Make a good friend out of your RA because if you have roommate problems, maybe you drew the short stick in the lottery of roommate selection. Mm. He can be there as a resource to help you navigate some of that conflict and those kinds of things. Also a good resource for getting you plugged into the broader network. So RAs, they're amazing people. They don't get that position being a numbskull, right? So <laughs> make that RA your ally. That's great. You, know, you also want to try to understand and get used to a different set of rules for how the game of education is in college versus high school. So things are different now regarding your classes and, and your professors. Um, and one of the biggest things that I would recommend to new college students is, is for them to realize to that they need to have a different mindset, right? It's, it's about you, right? It's about you um, going after the learning. It's don't expect to just be spoon-fed everything, right? Develop those high-quality relationships with your professors early on. Um, it's going to yield benefits for you, right? And one beautiful thing about the way that you know most college courses I've been around for for decades are is that they they you know professors create something called the syllabus. It's it's an outline of everything that's going to happen that semester, everything you're going to need to read, everything you're going to need to do, a schedule. And that can help you kind of schedule your time as well. Um, you, it's not a surprise kind of what's going to happen a lot of times in these courses. Yeah. the You're driving your education, which should be why you're there in the first place. Yeah. You know, I, I need to get this paper so I can just make more money. Yeah, I know a lot of people like that, and eh, some of them do okay. But this is your time to really go grab life by the horns and learn all the cool crap you wanted to learn about. You know, it's out there. You're like, man, I want to know about, you know, the epicuriotic theory of the universe. Okay, I'm going to take some courses and get some reading on this. Now, this the thing that can drive, because the class is just the minimum, right? That's right. the minimum bar. Get to know your professors. They have PhDs and a lot of research time under their belt. So if you're interested in something that class, you can go. I did this all the time. My professors would give me reading lists. Hey, I'm super interested in that. Where, If I want to go find out more that's beyond the class, what do you, would you like me to read? And they'd make reading lists. And I did so much reading outside of class. It was curated by these really smart professors. It was awesome. I probably learned more outside. Of, I mean, the classes were good. But in dialogue and doing guided readings from my professor than I did actually in the classes as a whole. That's great. And you know, one way, one easy practical thing that you can do as a new student to get to know your professors a little bit is to simply visit them for a short period of time in their office hours. So professors will set things called office hours. It might be something where you need to set up an appointment with them, but they're happy to do it. They're required to do it most of the places that I've been around. So just set up a time and say, hey, I'd like to come, come by and just introduce myself. I, I don't know of a single professor that'd be like, uh, no, right? I I would personally be like, all right, that's pretty cool, right? Somebody just wants to come by and say hi. And, you know, in, in today's day and age too, it may be a little, a quick Zoom session or something like that, right? But you can go by and just take 10 or 15 minutes. It may turn into more, whatever. 
um, just to say, hey, I'm I'm so and so. This is what I'm interested in. Um, I understand you're you teach these classes that are interested in this. I just wanted to introduce myself and you know what what kinds of advice might you have for for a new student or something like that, right? Just start a conversation and then be done with it. And but at least then you've broken that kind of ice, so to speak, and you can go back to that professor if you have an issue or a question or just want to say hi later on in the semester. Because at the end of the day, I think at least I, and I think all the professors that I know, um, we love to see our students succeed. So um, get to know them a little bit. And and you're people too, right? You're not some <laughs> kind of automaton there. These are the people that are curating your learning, guys. Develop close, for, like I still know hobbies of a lot of my professors that I really vibed with. And they helped me make early career decisions and stuff like that and not cut myself when I'm young and inexperienced. So it, it's it's a broader, this is the beginning of your professional network. Exactly. And if you're having issues with the course material, don't wait until the end of the semester to tell your professor. Uh, <laughs> you know, and if, if, your, if your class has a teaching assistant, which might be, you know, a graduate student or someone who's helping out the professor, that person can be a resource too. But go to them right away, <laughs> because it, especially in a course in which the the knowledge might be cumulative, right? So if you don't get something in week one, it's really going to bite you in week four, right? So you really want to make sure you you sort those things out early, have those conversations. Don't wait until the end and say, I don't know what I'm doing. The know? professor already knows you're struggling. They'll know, <laughs> like out of 40 students, I've got these three that just aren't tracking what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you can have this conversation around, ooh, maybe I bit off too many classes. And mm. you can have a realistic conversation about a professor. Hey, based on how I'm doing, I think I might should drop this course. What do you think? And they can have, you know, you'll start to have some of those challenging conversations. That being said, dropping courses. There's a threshold between full-time enrollment and part-time enrollment. If you have student loans, you have to be fully enrolled, just make sure you're aware of what that threshold so you don't accidentally drop a course that gets you in trouble administratively. Right. Yeah. It could mess up your financial aid. It could mess up your scholarships. So be aware of that. You know, I, just kind of a really positive thing. I think something to keep in mind is, you know, um, there are no speed limits anymore to your learning. You know, when you're in, in elementary school and you're in high school, uh, the teachers, because there's so many people at one time going through, they have to kind of teach to the middle or maybe even kind of the the bottom uh, of the of the class to make sure everybody gets through. Those rules don't apply anymore, right? When you're in college, you can learn as much as you want, and there's nobody who can say that you can't. And um, you know, if you really want to dig into something, you know, maybe you maybe you have a favorite professor or somebody who really teaches an, an interesting course. Find out what they're what they do research on, or read something they've written, and go talk to them about it. Right? Just I, I want to encourage people to really open their um, horizons and their, uh, I guess, their conceptions of what's possible for themselves. That, this is a great time to do it. Yeah, uh, the the speed limits thing's amazing, and so think about that. If if I could, what would it look like if I was really going fast in my education? What would that look like? And then do those things. That being said, there's no shortcut to real learning. Mm -hmm. You People are going to 
expect you to know some stuff once you come out of college. You know, one of the questions I like to ask, you know, somebody that doesn't have any work experience that just came out of college or maybe just, you know, a basic job kind of work experience is, hey, tell me the coolest thing you learned during college. You just you got out. You were there four years. What was the coolest thing? It doesn't even have to be related to class. And I can't tell you how many students are like, uh, and it's not going to work here is my view. Like if you can't speak to the four years of your college and say, you know what? I didn't learn a whole lot, but there was this one awesome thing that changed my life. You're just not engaged. But that being said, the no shortcuts pieces is no cheating. Mm. Do not cheat. We see this over and over and over. And I've seen even in grad school, some people that like did some plagiarism stuff, this. Uh. Yeah, here's the thing. So it may have been common in your high school for people to cheat, either, you know, looking off of people's papers or trading answers somehow electronically or otherwise, or maybe plagiarizing, you know, copying stuff down and putting it as part of a paper. Um, the thing is, in college, if you do that kind of stuff, it can get you kicked out, right? That's not something you want to have happen. Um, and Try speaking there's a whole that process in a at any university for how this works in terms of, um, you know, the uh, the process for violations of academic integrity. Get familiar with what's going on with the academic integrity uh, policies at your university and follow them. Don't even think about violating those. Uh, it's better to get a bad grade on a test than it is to get a zero, which is usually the minimum that a professor is going to do to you if you cheat on on an exam, for example. Furthermore, there there's some increasingly um, effective types of software to detect plagiarism in papers. I, I when I assign papers, it automatically goes into a database that then marks up. In high, it highlights literally. I can see it on my computer screen. It highlights matches between your paper and papers that have been submitted elsewhere, other websites, all over the place. And I can very quickly, oh, this is a 63% match with outside resources. This might be a problem. And I can go in and I can see what's going on. Sometimes it's something that doesn't, doesn't matter. Sometimes it really does matter. And so don't cheat. Don't cheat. Don't cheat. Yeah, imagine trying to explain that to an employer. Hey, so you're you're at this university and then you weren't anymore. What happened? Mm. Oh, I'm a I'm a filthy cheat. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no good. There's no way to paint that pig, you know, so so don't do it. And, you know, on the social front, you know, be social, but also be careful. You now have all the rope in the world to mess up your life. <laughs> right. Yeah. So booze like you know, that's super commonplace in a lot of campuses. Like, you need to do some research about unit of alcohol versus time, right? Yeah. If you didn't grow up in a family that drank, you just need to get some education around how the booze thing works, how, you know, field sobriety and driving. Oh, yeah. I I mean, a couple of things I would just, if, if this were, if I were talking to my own child, I would say, don't drink. <laughs> I would say, especially don't drink and drive. Be very careful whom you're around if there's drinking going on, right? Because, um, you know, bad things happen when college kids get drunk together. I, I had an honor code that I had to sign at my university that, because they didn't allow drinking. And that's yeah. fine. But if you're under the age of 21, 
in the you United States. You should not be drinking, right? In the United States. Um, now, do kids do it? Yeah. Are they drinking yeah. in high school? Yeah. Do they have fully developed executive functioning in their brain? No. No. And so that's a <laughs> cocktail for life choice limiting decisions that are just bad. Yeah. I, there's just a lot of negatives that can come with it, right? In terms of um, th- risks to your own health and safety and the ability to make good decisions. So be very careful with alcohol and other substances. Another thing to be careful with, credit cards. Uh, the credit card companies love to get college students signed up for credit cards. Um, they may offer you a free t-shirt even to sign up for a credit card. That's not necessarily a reason to get a credit card because if you get that credit card, you start using it and using it unwisely, you can start to accumulate credit card debt which is a very, very ugly thing and can escalate very quickly. Yeah, you think your student loans are bad. Now you have an unsecured Oof. credit card with a 30% interest or something. You're, you're, yeah. You are the sinking Titanic. <laughs> you can't even have mm. a collaborative alliance to get you out of that one. So, And they hand them out like candy. But let me tell you this, because I really didn't do the credit thing until like my junior year of college, and I had no credit. I wanted to buy something. Mm. Um you know, wanted to purchase possibly a vehicle or something. And like, well, do you have like a boat payment or anything? I'm like, no, I pay cash for everything. <laughs> what a boat payment for a 19-year-old. Come, <laughs> come on. You know, so a good way to do this is to get, and key point, low balance. So they may offer you a two or $5,000 credit limit. I want to encourage you to set that limit to like two to $500. All right. And then just pay it off every month. And by the in time full. you in full, then you're done. You know, if you need money for spring break, you know, some guys would donate plasma for cash and stuff, you know, get an extra job, but don't <laughs> swipe something that's nothing but Instagram memories on your credit card. Just don't that's do right. It. That's right. Good advice. You know, college is certainly a time to broaden your network. I, I would say that. This is a prime opportunity for you as a new college student to carefully choose new friends, right? And maybe you had a high school experience. You're just like, you know, I didn't really like high school and I'm looking to reinvent myself. Well, guess what? Here's a great chance to do it, right? Choose good friends, people who have similar values to you, people who have similar interests. That's the wonderful thing about college is, you know, especially as you start picking majors, you start getting involved in things like people are self-selecting into things that make them uh, interested in similar stuff. And you're going to benefit from that. So, you know, use this as a time to start broadening your network. I I mean, I have really great friends who I first met, you know, during that August of 1998, when I first went off to um, to start my freshman year of college and uh, still wonderful friends to this day. So, you know, this is a good chance to make that happen. This is where you people will not only know you by who you are, but they'll know you by who you spend time with. Right. Yeah. And this is like that's a whole Pinocchio thing. You ask act out with a bunch of drinker, boozers, smokers and don't go to class. Will you become a jackass rather than a person. So, and also these are your network. Ben, how many people do you know from undergrad? Oh my gosh. Friends with a lot, a lot. (laughs) Right. And, and this is, you get to see these people because in the business environment, people can curate their image, but here you get to see how they live, act the way they ethically break up with a romantic interest. 
the way they cheat or don't cheat, the way they handle their classes and other relationships with care, the way they participate in charity, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And it might be lonely. Maybe you land land on a bad floor in your dorm and they're a bunch of people of not the best integrity. Well, that's okay. Find your people. Find the kind of people because that's going to be your network and that's going to self-select. That's the same thing when you land into a company and they've got a toxic culture. It's a bad place to live. That's where all the psychopaths and unethical business weirdos, the Bernie Madoffs end up. They, It will curate and save you from dealing with these bad situations just because nobody in your network would do that. Nobody, right. Ben, how many inside traders are in your network? None, None. <laughs> right? Because that's not the kind of people, right? That's why I want to hang out with Ben because he's a good guy. He's a good, I want good guys to win, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, another thing that you, you want to keep in mind as you're starting your first semester is go to your classes. Like this may seem obvious, but, you know, it may feel kind of optional and other people around you might be skipping their classes, but especially go to those first classes. Um, you know, you may not want to buy your books right away just because they're, they can be rather expensive unless your instructor has, you know, contacted you and you have a really good idea of which books you definitely need. And you, uh, you know, know that they're going to be used in that course and that's all up to, up to date, you know, then you can go ahead and get your books. Um, sometimes you might be able to get an older edition of a textbook and it might be okay. You know, you can ask your professor about that, but and it could be a lot cheaper. So, um, go to those first classes and, you know, by the way, I would advocate always going to class. I think it's a, it's a great, great thing to do. There's a lot that happens there. That's going to help you out. Yeah. If you got to go to your university professor hat in hand about struggling in their class and you don't have perfect attendance good luck with that buddy i mean he's probably mm. not going to help you anyway but if he was ever inclined to help you and you've missed class no it's not going to happen right i mean i literally have had students who maybe haven't participated much in the class or at all and then towards the end of the semester they want to know how they can make things up and um you know I've dealt with Try that. Again. My wife that- is also a professor. She's dealt with that. And it it just doesn't bode well for that student because first of all, they're they're gonna be very behind. And it may not be there may not just be enough runway left in that class for them to get up to to speed and really succeed. So um go to your class. Right. The I and I knew people that would say, Oh, I don't go to my first class till the end of drop ad period. Mm. And that's that's just not setting the tone for your life that you want to set. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, another thing that you want to keep in mind is, you know, um, if, if you're, if you think you're doing poorly just because you're not, you're not getting along with a professor, right? This is a time for you to be a professional. This is a time for you to practice those skills of, of doing your best and having a collaborative alliance with that instructor to try to get through the course and to learn something and to finish. Um, also don't just pick classes to take just because your friends are taking them, Right. Now that may be, a, a, you know, if they're also taking something because you, you have a bunch of super smart friends and they're like, yes, this is a great class, that might be a reason to take it. But just because you have a bunch of friends taking a class, probably not the best reason to take one. Um, so keep that in mind as well. Yeah, so ratemyprofessor.com. It's a website where people rate professors. Yeah, no one Prof- uses that anymore. Professors, are, I know, that's so like circa 96 or something, right? Yeah. But, but the whole idea is, Professors are people too, and they'll have kind of uh, reputations. Ooh, Ben's really hard. He's brutal, X, Y, Z. 
you're going to have to navigate these kinds of relationships in the workplace and in life. So sometimes there'll be some kind of like, in order to graduate with this major, you have to take this one class with this one professor that nobody likes. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you that professor probably knows that nobody likes me. He, they might even relish in it. <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. That's fine. This is a time for you to practice your professionalism and, and just get through it. It's, it's one of the better lessons in life. Right. Now, in college, at some point, you should be choosing a major, right? And this may be, you know, maybe you want to major in biology or business or something like that. Um, it's okay when you're just starting off to not have that sorted out immediately and know exactly what you want to do because you have a little bit of runway time. You have, um, you're going to be taking kind of like the basic courses that you, everybody has to take. Usually these are called core curriculum classes or general education courses. Um, however, you should be actively thinking about this and saying, what do I want to major in? What do I want to be interested in? What kind of career was this going to lend itself to? How's this going to set me up for my success in the future? So you can you can choose some sort of major at, at earlier rather than later. Um, because if you wait too long, then you know it might you might have to backtrack and take extra courses. Um, it may take you longer and cost you more money to actually finish your education. Right. And I think I just want to acknowledge that that can be really scary. With the amount of yeah. debt that you're taking on to say, well, what are you going to major in? I don't know. I'm going to figure it out when I get there. But I, I want you to just pause and think that's actually okay. Right. Right. You are not committing to, well, this is it. You're committing to a, this is the beginning of your scholarship and committing to a life of lifelong learner learning. You know, we taught these people lifelong learners. They're always studying. They're always learning. At some point, you'll need to make a decision about something you're going to get some expertise in and start down that path. Now, you'll also need to couch that versus, hey, I actually got to pay off these student loans. So if learning and committing to learning is not something that you're just thrilled about, the idea of just learning for the sake of learning, because smart people will shift. I mean, the early computer science people are all like history majors and art majors and stuff, you know? a whole bunch of different things. You can make those shifts. But if you're not a lifelong learner, you might want to just pause and say, you know what, maybe I go into the military for a year or two and go on this kind of existential journey. But if you're a lifelong learner, I think it's okay. Get Go ahead and matriculate into college and, and you'll figure it out because you're smart and you're a learner. Yeah. At the same time, keep in mind that your freshman year GPA, your grade point average, that actually does count. <laughs> so um, don't just blow off your freshman year. Take those initial courses, do well in them, uh, figure out what you want to do, or at least get some direction. Ask a lot of questions. Ask your professors, ask your friends, ask your friends' parents what they do, right? Those types of things can really be informative. Um, as you're moving through your courses, you know, one thing to keep in mind is let's say you're struggling in something and it's like, um, you know, I just can't do this paper and professor won't grant me an extension on my deadline. Um, it's better to turn in something than to turn in nothing on assignments. Um, keep yeah, in and mind follow that, up, follow up yeah. with that professor. Say, listen, I know I turned in. This was a pile of garbage. You know, that's why you go see him during the office hours. So right, he knows that, right. you know, you were a numbskull, but hey, I'll take 70 rather than zero. Right. 
just because when you calculate averages, by the way, we're not going to get into it here, but you need to know how to calculate a weighted average before you go into college, because that's going to help you understand what your, your grade is. I, I can't tell you how many times I get students who email me and say, can you tell me what my grade is? It's like, you have all your grades. You can calculate what your grade is. A weighted average. Go go Google it and figure it out. Anyway, um, to turn in something is better than nothing. You know, as you're moving forward into college, be open to the new territory that's there. You know, it, it may sound really tough, um, but, you know... <laughs> Your old high school friends may not be the ones who are going to propel you forward or the ones who are going to help you out. So be open to new relationships, new friends. And you know what? College isn't actually that bad of a time to be looking for a significant others either. Yeah, and we may get stones thrown at us from some listeners of the show, but college is an awesome time to get married <laughs> or at least meet the person you're going <laughs> to marry. And then after you graduate and get a job and show their parents you know, or whatever family situation that you're not a, you know, drooling numbskull that can't earn cash, right? Then get married, right? But this is a wonderful time. And um, I recommend that you do some evidence-based reading. Well, the first book I'd recommend uh, around marriage would be The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work by John Gottman. Um, that's evidence-based book, but you need to educate yourself on marriage and relationships. And you're in a target-rich environment, guys. Gals, yeah. non-binary pals, you know, get out there and date, meet somebody you might want to do a solid life with. Because if marriage is for you, I mean, stay, getting married and staying married is one of the best things you could do for your physical, mental, emotional well-being and also for your lifelong wealth. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. It's very true. So uh, keep that in mind. Um, I'd also recommend that, you know, especially during that freshman year, be start to be even more careful about your social media. Um, remember that you're building this record that could very well follow you into the future. Um, and, you know, don't do things that even if someone were recording you would get you in trouble. But just be careful about the stuff you post. Be careful about what you're sharing. Um, be smart about, about all of that. And uh, one thing, you know, that that my dad actually said to me when he dropped me off at college is something along the lines of, you know, this is a time for you. This is your job now, right? And I get it that a lot of people also are working full-time and maybe taking classes part-time or full-time or trying to balance it too. Um, but if you're in a situation where you are full-time in and you're not necessarily working at the same time, right, this is a time for you to really be selfish actually in a good way and develop yourself. Um, this is the time for you to learn, to broaden your horizons, to figure out what what you want to do and how you want to make this world a better place. And, um, you know, so really embrace that. I, I think uh, that that's just a good, positive way to go into it. And in the line of being careful with social media, broadening your horizon, not being a giant boozer when you're underage, like at 18, you're now an adult. Mm. And Legally. So if you, yeah. If you if you post something on social media in sixth or eighth grade, OK, he's an undeveloped little kid. Right. But as an adult, you're like, hmm, why is this behavior at age 19, 20 happening here? And right. you, you know, there should be some this is when you're going to polish up and finalize these character and integrity issues and telling the world who you are and who you want to be. Awesome. So let's pivot now. We've talked a lot about kind of advice for 
students, uh, people who are going into college for the first time. Let's talk a little bit now about parents. And obviously there are books written and, you know, much ink hath been spilt on this topic of how <laughs> parents can support their children. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about some basics here. And I think, you know, one of the first ones is this is a process of letting go. So, you know, don't be a helicopter don't be a Klingon, as you said, you know, Chris, as we were talking about this episode, you know, save, save being the Klingon for, uh, for the Star Trek folks, right? Um, be there for your kids, but don't harass them by phone. Don't try to be there for every single moment. They have to figure things out for themselves now. Yeah. And, and this is a time for you to turn towards yourself and model the growing up behavior for your student, right? Mm. So if you're, if you're freaking out or like, well, I just need to, it's been two hours and I haven't heard about how they are, you know, or whatever it is. You may need to do some research and reading and some catharsis and self-care, some therapy. We've got a list in the show note of 20 books recommended by the University of Michigan for parents on navigating this change. Everything from relationships to finance to, you know, that kind of separating kind of process as a parent. You need to model that weaning away process for your student. That being said, there's whole psychology books written on family of origin issues. If you have family of origin issues that might be impacting your student, you are the adult first. You need to sort and manage them yourself. So that means if there's some conflict in the home unit, you need to kind of Keep that shrapnel from affecting your college student and manage that as the adult and head of your household. Right, right. You know, kind of a practical thing, and this has not happened to me, actually, and um, but I have heard of it happening to some other colleagues, some other professors, is don't contact your, ch your child's professors directly. <laughs> don't. So first of all, if you have not signed a legal release, they can't even acknowledge whether or not they have your kid in class. So... It's just not going to bode well. Don't don't do that. Um, you know, at the same time, be there for your kid. Right. Recognize that this is a a time that is fraught with uncertainty and ambiguity, and they're going to have some anxiety. So be supportive to your to your kid as they're starting to go through that, and and help reassure them that it's going to be okay. Right. Some of that might be also being very available for them, but not available all the time. You know, mm. if you have a standing golf game. Keep your standing golf game. Oh, I called mom. Mom's at golf uh, from two to four on Thursdays. I'll have to wait and call her after. You know, these are the kinds of things where you model, just model that separation, and that professionalism that you want to see your, your kids have. But like, listen to them. If they're feeling anxious, create a safe spot for them to say, actually, I'm really nervous about this test. And let them know. Like, so if you read some of those books, you'll be able to speak with authority you know, hey, by the way, I was anxious when I was a college student. I bet you all your peers are anxious right now, no matter what they show on the outside. Yeah, yeah that's right. And that's true, too. Uh, another thing is just be knowledgeable, knowledgeable about what the particular institution that your child is at has in terms of resources. So you can direct them to them. You know, oh, you know, is junior year, it's senior year, and you're trying to think, and I'm jumping ahead here, but you're thinking about careers. Have you visited the career center to understand these things? Oh, you're having some, you know, issues with stress management and so forth. The counseling center is actually really good at your institution. Here's the contact information. Try to help them with those types of items by being knowledgeable about them yourself. 
Another thing is, you know, stay engaged with what they're doing without being overbearing. Um, know what they're know what classes they're taking. Ask them about them. Uh, if there's a parents' weekend or something like that, show up if you can. Those types of things can really be supportive and helpful for your student as they they go through this first year. Yeah, I'm thinking of one person whose uh, parents didn't show up at their college event, and they still remember it to this day, decades yeah. later. So yeah, exactly. You know, and and they may say, no, I don't really want you to come, but they don't know. You're a parent. You just go. It's mandatory. That's the one time you do go get to be annoying to your student in the classroom environment, <laughs> right? That's right. You know, most universities and colleges have some sort of guidance and information for parents just on their website because, you know, frequently asked questions and forms and other types of things. I put a link in the show notes to the one that we have at my university, at Cleveland State University, so you can understand that a little bit and get, in, get to know what it looks like. Um Seek that out. Use it. It's there for you, right? And along the way, hey, as a parent, it's not a bad idea to kind of get to know maybe some of the other parents that are around. Um, and, you know, if you're, for example, maybe your your kid makes good friends with somebody, getting to know those parents a little bit, exchanging some contact information, not a terrible idea. Like, don't be weird about it. But I think, you know, this is a, a time for you. So you're navigating something at the same time as these other people. And that can be that can be a nice, nice resource. I know that, you know, for my undergraduate in institution, um, we actually um, would have these uh, when I was an alum. So as an alumnus, we would um, orchestrate these new student orientation types of days where um, people who were going to that university from our general area would just come over to, to some alumni's uh, house and we'd all get to know each other a little bit. That's really great, right? Because people, you know, need those connections. They need those resources and it can make things a whole lot more fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, any of the social, this is all about broadening and shifting your social supports to set you up for success in a new environment that you don't know much about. All of those things are good and it makes life sweet. Now, Here's a, another pragmatic piece of advice. Remember, your kid is 18 and legally adult. <laughs> but as somebody who's ingested plenty of new young privates into the army, Ben, you've met tons of young new sailors, right? Mm -hmm. Their brains are not fully formed. <laughs> and it's like, I'm just now hitting 40. And I'm like, I think I'm getting to the brain formation phase now. Like, so... <laughs> They're going to do some dumb things. Um, coach them through those dumb things. I wouldn't bring them because we do want them taking risks. We just want them to it's like, hey, listen, you're out here taking risks, new things, new stuff. Are you taking smart risks here? Right. You know, is that, oh, well, you went ahead and asked that girl out. You know, great. Good on you. You know, it was a disaster. Okay. You know. But, you know, dumb things like cheating and those sort of things, you might want to emphasize like, hey, listen, you're going to make dumb things. You're going to make mistakes. That's fine. There's no mistake that's not recoverable from even cheating. Yeah. However, sometimes the recovery is so obtusely painful that you just don't want to go there. So but be there. Your job as a guardian, parent, caregiver, somebody who gives a rip is to just be there as a coach supportive ears and encourager they're they're gonna right. get there um i think i've heard this tradition actually ben and do you have this in the navy i think the air force academy does this where they celebrate the guy that graduates last in the class i mean i think that they might do something like that at the at the naval academy i did not go there but i i don't know and and it's funny because you look at the people that graduate last 
last in their class. They're the the, the bottom line numbskull. <laughs> and they go and do banging, amazing, super duper, awesome, awesome things. I had a lot of stuff I had to sort out in my undergrad reality. So my GPA undergrad was actually not that great for a whole host of uh, psychosocial reasons during that time. Um, my grad school was awesome. And and I'm doing great things right now. I'm totally happy. So don't get discouraged. The focus needs to be on coaching, loving, and learning. That That's where you need to be as somebody supporting a new college student. That's great. You know, you just want to encourage those those kids to uh to make good friends, to make good decisions. So I think let's let's try to kind of start to wrap this up with with really some hope and with some joy. Um, you know, just thinking about this episode, we we were just relishing in the the thought and the 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 hope that's embedded in kind of this whole idea of how we really in this world need educated thoughtful people. We need them to lead our countries, our organizations, our families. And, you know, if you're headed off to college, you are embarking on that noble journey. And I just think that is so exciting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the sweetness of everything that you want to do as a person. That, that yeah. This is, this is the grand adventure you're launching. You know, every what, was there a movie failure to launch? This is not failure to launch. So even if you're the last person, first of all, if you've darkened the door of a university, you are in the top percents of our country and in people globally. If you finish a year that, you know, it keeps going. My goal and exhortation to everybody is let's just get in, hold on, finish, just finish. Um, You know, You'll find out where you are, you know, like I'm no Stephen Hawking's or anything like that. I'm not a physicist that comes up with theoretical concepts. It's okay. This is just part of it. It's a tool for you. And it's the beginning of your adventure. That's right. And, you know, you parents, you're a part of this story, too. So good luck to all of you out there who are navigating this either as a parent or as the the new college student yourself, you know. Um, one thing I, we'd like to conclude with is just a quote. It's a little, it's a few sentences uh, from our good friend and colleague, John Kroger, who was a prior guest on the podcast. And we'll put a link to that episode that we had with him in, in the show notes. Uh, and John Kroger recently published an article on insidehighered.com. And we'll po po post a link to that too. But the title of this article this post is We're Number One, and this is all about the educational, the higher educational system in the United States. And this is something that I think our U.S.-based listeners should keep in mind. And I quote, for the last decade, Universitas 21, based at the University of Melbourne, has assessed and ranked the world's higher education systems. The most recent study analyzes 24 variables, including funding, research output, employability of graduates, and policy environment. The overwhelming winner, based on these factors, is the United States, with a commanding lead over other excellent systems in Switzerland, Denmark, Singapore, Sweden, the United Kingdom, and Canada. China, by comparison, comes in at 26. This study confirms what most international assessments have noted for decades. The United States higher education system remains the international gold standard. What do we make of this assessment? Why do I bring it up? 
I do so because I think we all need to place our critiques of our higher education system in global perspective. As a community, we are highly committed to critical analysis. We are highly idealistic. We all want to be better. We all ache for reform. And so our rhetoric focuses almost exclusively on our failings and limitations. You can see this most clearly in the books written about higher education today. They all have titles that stress failure and impending disaster. Life of the mind interrupted. The breakdown of higher education. The quiet crisis. Failing law schools. You would never guess from these titles that we have the best college system on the planet. Yes, we have room for improvement, and yes, we should refuse to be satisfied with our system as it is. Yes, we should all work for change. But I want, just for a moment, to remind you that for all our failings and limitations, we do have the best higher education system in the world. We have better institutions, serve more students, enjoy more academic freedom, provide more societal value, and generate more useful research than any other system. So, even as we voice our demands for reform, let's not lose sight of an important fact that we should ground our discussions. We are number one, and that matters. Our system has problems, but it is also very, very good. When we push for reform, we do so from an already established foundation of excellence. End quote. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast, or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com, where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.